0: Welcome to Twinning Australia with your hosts Matt and
1: Nat. Welcome back to Twinning Australia and this episode we're going to really continue looking at first trimester and a couple of things that you need to be doing and going to and I think ultrasounds are probably the, the big one for me. There is so, much, so many more ultrasounds This time around having twins than initially with our singleton and first child.
0: It's almost monthly, GANs. And we the type of twins that we're having are fraternal, so non-identical. And we'll go into another episode on the different types of twins because...
1: No, let's do that now. Do it now? Yes. So essentially twins, there's four different types of twins. A lot of people think they're identical and non-identical twins and that's it. That's not actually the case. So the different twin types, essentially it... They're broken down by what's happening inside the womb. So, for example, one set of twins have their own sacs, so each each child will have their own sac and they will also have their own placenta. The second type will have their own sacs, but they'll be connected to the same placenta. The next type will have one sac and each will have their own placenta And the final type will have their own sac and they will share a placenta. Now, there's a lot more detail to go into in regards to that. I'm just giving you a brief overview. But further to that, depending on the type, it also depends on how high risk you are for the pregnancy as well. So that's important to know. So I would thoroughly suggest if you are expecting twins, find out what type, just so you can have a bit of an understanding and research what are the pros and cons to each type
0: and your doctors will be able to determine that for you through your scans and i think there's also blood work they can figure out some of these things through blood work but there's so many different terms to the different types of twins there's Modi, there's dd there's there's all these different acronyms for the different types of twins that are out there but but what we're having we're having a boy and a girl which are fraternal which they the shortened version is dd twins d i d i
1: Yeah, so essentially our twins both have their own sac and they both have their own placenta, which means they're not so much twins as opposed to brother and sister from two separate eggs that were released at the same time. So essentially our twins are more like brother and sister as opposed to twins because they both have separate sacs and separate placentas. So the way our twins, I guess we had it, as Natalie has mentioned before, we don't have a history of it. She just released two eggs, one from either side of her ovaries, and we fertilised both of them. So that's why we're having essentially twins.
0: And there's a couple of reasons behind that. So from what I've read, and please check my references as well, but when you're over the age of 30 or you're creeping up to 35, you're at more risk of having fraternal twins, so basically dropping more eggs. Something to do with the, the human body the they drop more eggs because it's like getting older and you know it's that sort of cycle of life really needs to sort of up the chances of having having a baby uh,
1: increase or increase your chances for reproduction yeah
0: that's the word so i'm looking for <laughs> yeah that's where the PE teacher comes in and i've also look i don't know if this is 100 percent true but it, was, it seems like an interesting fact that when you're over a certain age it's like a one it's an extra one or two percent chance of having twins but i did read recently that if you're breastfeeding at the time of conceiving you can increase your chance by 11% to have fraternal twins so i was actually breastfeeding my son uh, at the time when we were trying so hey that that could be that could also be a, a a factor to the situation but identical i believe are more hereditary but when it's fraternal twins i think it's just more of a an age or just the body's just dropping, throwing round extra eggs, you know, like Oprah, handing out free cars.
1: So um, I guess the blood tests and ultrasounds I mentioned earlier, they ramp up when expecting twins. So what's the difference been between our first child and obviously the twins that are on their way?
0: Yeah, I think with our son, we had two ultrasounds that we went to Sydney Ultrasound for Women uh, so the first one that they did, we opted in to do the Harmony test, which is a test to check genetics and Matt will go into a bit more technical detail on that one in a minute because I'm not very good at that sort of stuff. I just get there and get prodded and poked. But uh, we only ended up having like two ultrasounds with my son and right now I think we're up to our sixth or seventh ultrasound.
1: Oh, I think it's even higher than that to even, be honest. Probably
0: higher than that and I'm I'm creeping up to 30, 30 weeks. So yeah, it's... Certainly a big difference in the ultrasound space and actually something that we forgot to mention previously about the different types of twins that you have, they also scale differently in, in high-risk pregnancy. So uh, overall, having a twin pregnancy, you're classified as high-risk compared to a singleton, but then then when you dive deeper into the type of twins that you're having, they then classify them high to low-risk in the twin high-risk pregnancy uh, range, if that makes sense. So basically the type of twins that Matt and I are having, DD, fraternal, are the lower risk of the twins because they have their own sacs, they have their their own placentas, they've got their own resource of of food coming into them. So there's less likely any risks of any, like one twin getting more resources than the other if they're sharing a placenta. Yeah so your doctor will explain to you the type of twins that you're having and also category of of the high risk um, pregnancy that you're having but there's nothing to worry about and that's where all the extra ultrasounds come into play so because we're having the fraternal twins a bit lower risk on the twin scale we're only having ultrasounds once a month roughly but I have heard that Moddy twins and identical twins, you know, the last month or two of the pregnancy, you're almost having weekly ultrasounds. Uh, And depending on what they need to keep an eye on, like nutrients, if one twin is significantly smaller than the other, they will even ramp up ultrasounds even more. So there is a lot more monitoring, there is a lot more blood work, a lot more tests involved in twin pregnancies. So that is something to be mindful of. Definitely something to talk to your workplace about as well, because you will be taking a fair bit of time off to go to all of these different tests and and appointments and so forth. Twin pregnancy also is more high risk of having gestational diabetes and preeclampsia. So I'm already, uh, I think from week twelve, my doctor put me on half an aspirin every day just to minimise the risk of preeclampsia coming in at the back end of the pregnancy. So there are. Basically because you've got two things.
1: Just for our listeners that might not be aware of what preeclampsia is, it's high blood pressure for those people. So it basically, yeah, aspirin thins out the blood and makes it easier for the heart to pump.
0: Yeah. And from what I understand, when you are diagnosed with preeclampsia, it's usually at the later stages of pregnancy, but it is taken very, very seriously uh, to the point where some women may need to be hospitalised straight away. They may need to stay in hospital until the baby's born, depending on how severe it is. Because if left untreated, it can impact your the mother's vital organs, uh, and obviously that impacts baby, etc. Uh, there have been a few cases that I've read that a mother's being diagnosed with preeclampsia and the baby's out within 24 hours. So regardless of how early in the pregnancy, it is quite a serious thing that they need to keep an eye on and monitor. So again, that's where your weekly doctor's appointments will start occurring a lot earlier in your pregnancy than when you may have had your, your singleton. So just a few things to be aware of to talk to your workplace about. Uh, I'm sure all workplaces would be supportive of you going to these type of appointments and making time to look after yourself and your little ones. But yeah, it's something to, to keep front of mind.
1: So Natalie mentioned before that I'll be touching more on the Harmony test. Essentially, what that test is for is to, I guess, give you as much information as possible about the genetics of the baby. The Harmony test does a couple of things. It looks for abnormalities in the chromosomes. It also looks for spina bifida, Down syndrome, etc. So it is designed just to be able to give parents that peace of mind or inform them that this could be a possibility in the future because that's going to obviously change the planning process of everything that's going to happen when the the baby arrives the other thing the harmony test does is it can tell you the gender of the baby if it's going to tell you the gender of the baby it gets it right if it's a single child so it'll tell you if the, the y chromosome is missing then you know it's a girl if the y chromosome is there you know it's a boy however when you are having twins like we are it won't be able to give you a definitive so we were told that the y chromosome was present which meant that well there's a boy in there potentially two boys or uh, it could be a boy and a girl but it could not tell us the exact gender so we as we said on previous episode we had to wait for the ultrasounds to confirm that
0: yeah it it is a handy tool to have and it's quite a good test to go through now they they're pretty good in the company that we went through they do the test but they also kinda of give you a bit of a counselling session as well. So they don't just lump all this information and test results onto you. They do talk you through the different types of results that can come out and you know, they they really do counsel you through the process. So it's it's not just a, a you know, an information data dump on you and then you just gotta walk away and do what you do with it. But just also be mindful that it is, a, it is a pricey test. I think it ended up costing us, I think for a singleton, it's about $400. For us, it was about $600 being twins. Your private health may or may not cover that fee. Medicare does not cover it. So it is a costly exercise to do.
1: And on top of that, you've also, when you are having twins, they can't give you as much information. So there are certain things that they could pick up if you're having a singleton child. But if you're having multiples, it won't be able to pick up everything.
0: Yeah. And we didn't know that until we basically were there doing the test. So, but yeah, look, it's still, it was something good that we wanted to do. And it was also, we were hoping to get an answer about the gender mostly out of it. But that didn't happen. It became quite complicated. So, anyway, it was, it was, it's an interesting exercise. But yeah, it's each to their own. And by all means, do your own research into the reasons why you'd want to do the test and and how it would benefit
1: you and your family. So obviously the world's changed significantly in the past few years and I guess it's the only benchmark that we have because both our pregnancies have been during COVID. But that has come with some complications in many sort of facets in the sense that I haven't been able to be present for a lot of the ultrasounds and appointments in the hospitals. Obviously, limiting people going in and out of hospitals to try and minimise the spread. So, how's that impacted? How has COVID, I guess, impacted you, Natalie? And could you give any advice to expecting mums who might be going through, I guess, this period for the first time and having to deal with COVID as well?
0: Yeah. So, as Matt mentioned, our singleton, our first son, uh, was right in the middle of the pandemic. He was born. He was twenty twenty baby. So like right when it was all ramping up and the whole world didn't know what was going on. It was an interesting experience. For me, I didn't have anything else to compare it to. So that was just my normal pregnancy and and process to deal with. But there were pros and cons to it. So as Matt mentioned, he wasn't able to come to a lot of my, if any of my appointments actually, now that I think about it. I did miss out on... Having a support partner at a lot of those appointments, which was, you know, a bit disappointing at times. But again, that was my normal, so I didn't know anything different. There was a lot of anxiety the lead up to when my son was due because the rules kept changing throughout all the hospitals, private and public had different rules. One minute it was partners are allowed to be in the delivery suite, next minute some hospitals were banning them, and the poor mother had to labor and birth on her own in a room full of strangers which I think is absolutely disgraceful and terrifying but it was the rules at the time I was lucky enough that they allowed partners in or the father or mother of the of the child to be present during the birth Uh, you weren't allowed support people which there's one of the pros for me (laughs) I just wanted my my partner there. I, I you know I didn't feel the need to have anyone else present. But I understand that there are mothers out there who may have sisters or you know super close to their mum and and want that sort of extra support person. So you know that was tough for them. They missed out on that.
1: We also really wanted to bond with the child and have them used to our smell. I mean a lot of a lot of things that we've sort of looked at and researched talk about that's our, you know, newborn babies, I guess, have an attachment and whatnot. Is that scent? And for us, we wanted to make sure that we were sort of the only ones really around to, to have that strong sort of bond.
0: I, I really enjoyed that part of, of COVID, I have to admit. Um, so our hospital did not allow any visitors at all. And so it was just Matt and I and my son in the hospital room. There was never any unexpected guest storming through the door. Uh, There was no one other than the nurses that were going to come in to see me. So when you're laying there with your boobies out or your your pants or your skirt up because you're getting tests or looked at or observed and jabbed and needles and prodded and poked, it was quite comforting for me to know that there wasn't going to be someone unexpectedly walking through the door that I would prefer not to see me in such a vulnerable state, Um, especially we chose to breastfeed. So that was quite a difficult time to establish that with my son, basically just sitting out the whole time with your teeth out. Uh, And again, I just never had that anxiety of just someone, you know, my neighbour or my friend or my mum, in-laws, father-in-law walking in and I'm, you know, not quite decent so that was a bro for me Uh, and as Matt mentioned uh, earlier the the scent I I was I felt it was quite important that we all bonded together and and our newborn baby uh, acknowledged and got used to our scents because again visitors coming in there's a lot of mums out there that will send out pre notices like text messages or posts on Instagram and stuff like that with a whole bunch of rules you know If for visiting baby for the first time, which I support. I think you have every right to inform people, however you may, to protect your newborn baby. You know, things like whooping cough vaccines. It sounds so simple, but, you know, asking people to wash their hands for cuddling a bub. (laughs) So it was just good to have that time of not having to worry about those extra things and and me not having to have an awkward conversation with our mothers about please don't wear perfume to the hospital because perfume will interrupt the scent that we're trying to establish with our with our newborn baby so
1: i think the other one big one for me was if you are i guess nat had a emergency c section because the little fella got stuck so she obviously had a lot of drugs in her system for the first sort of couple of days and she was exhausted because it was a very lengthy labor and for me, just, just knowing that, you know, it was only going to be me in there or a nurse and that we're there to support her. And the last thing she needed to worry about was visitors or trying to look her best or any of that sort of other crap. We just wanted to make sure that it was all about our family and us getting, to getting, I guess, spending that time with that baby, you know, the new bundle of joy. So that was a big one for me and I think that was a blessing. I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that we couldn't have visitors and. Even if COVID wasn't around, I would be probably doing the exact same thing this time and saying that, you know, visitors would come down the track in a couple of weeks' time, but it doesn't have to happen immediately either.
0: You need to also remember, as the mother, you're recovering. You're in hospital to recover, regardless how the baby's come out, whether it's vaginal, a C-section. Uh, I believe it's painful regardless, and you will be on medication or you will be very uncomfortable. You won't be able to sit, you won't be able to stand, you won't be able to walk. So, you know, it is an important time to heal and listen to your body and do what you need to do to get yourself back to that optimum health and physical presence because you've now got a new human to look after.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, I think you're exactly right. You're, You're in hospital to heal and you've got a baby and they're your priority and you've got to look after yourself because... Obviously, your health is going to impact the health of a baby. So that's the priority. And, you know, visitors, each to their own, we didn't have visitors and, and we wouldn't change that. We thought it was really good. But if you want to have visitors, by all means, it's uh, we're not telling you what to do. We're just talking about our experience and hopefully providing some some guidance or some information that you might not have thought about.
0: And that's just to ease the the panic you may have on having a baby during COVID. It's just trying to put a positive spin to the situation that you know it it is it has significantly eased compared to back in 2020 but you just never know what could be around the corner another wave or something will happen and everyone will lock down again and I just want to make sure that people out there are not you know there's pros and cons to it and just to try and stay positive and, and make the most of the situation that you're handed. Now we didn't have visitors for the first time, which we loved and we enjoyed. That doesn't mean this time around with the twins that I will have visitors because obviously all the rules and regulations have been lifted now and you can't have visitors in the hospitals. And now that we have a son, Matt's going to have to look after our son. So he won't be able to stay at the hospital. Will I need help from someone of a night when Matt can't be there? So this time around may be a whole different situation for us. So again, you know, as much as we want to go down the path of no visitors and really establish that family connection straight from the beginning, I may not have a a choice because I'm going for a plan C-section again this time around. And if Matt's not going to be there to help me, you know, get the baby, go to the toilet, whatever it may be, then maybe we will need to look into having some visitors come and help out. But again, we'll play it by ear. So just letting you know, that everyone's situation is different. But if there is a COVID outbreak and rules and regulations are put in place, just try and see the positive to what is also a negative situation.
1: Yes. So the good thing is that you'll be able to follow that journey. So we will be continuing to make episodes and and put them up and we'll be able to tell you whether we did have visitors or did not have visitors and what we decided. And also we'll talk a bit about how the difference is this time around having twins, especially with a child and COVID. So that will be, I guess, some interesting obstacles that we're going to face and you guys will be along for the journey. All right, so I think that really covers most things in first trimester and we're going to make some episodes on second trimester and what to expect. So uh, thanks for joining us and we look forward to having you along for the ride next time. See ya. If you have any questions for us here at Twinning Australia Podcast, please feel free to send us an email. Our email address is twinningAustraliaPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise you can get in touch with us via our social media accounts. Facebook at Twinning Australia Podcast and Instagram Twinning Australia All1Word. Thanks for listening and we hope to hear from you soon.